Toxic is a term thrown around a lot these days, especially online, and especially against gamers. But why is that? Why is the gaming community considered so toxic, and why does it feel like a boys club for a bunch of white kids who want to say racist and sexist things with no consequences? Is that even the reality of gaming, or some long-term propaganda term used by out-of-touch game journalists that don't understand the video games they claim to? Today, we talk Toxic Gamers on Why Aren't You Talking About This? Nerd. Hello and welcome to Why Are You Talking About This Nerd? I am your host, William, and I will be your guide through the grimy, Cheeto-dusted world of gaming today. If this is your first episode, you're a returning early fan, or you're hate-listening because I somehow keep coming out with fucking bangers every week and you're waiting for me to slip, thank you. It means the world that you're listening to these words bounce off your eardrums. Also, get fucked. I can take that whatever term you want to hear it in. Now, I also want to take this moment to remind you to download this episode and all other episodes you've listened to. I know, streaming is a lot more convenient. Trust me, I usually stream my podcast too. But it's the only way for me to figure out who's listening and get good numbers for that. That or emails. But besides that, there's no merch line yet, and also no live shows or anything. And also, don't expect live shows for at least the better part of a decade, by the way. I am not showing up in public. But with that covered... Let's get into the episode. Alright, so today we are talking all about the wondrous world of gamers and those funky gamer words they keep calling minorities. Yes, we're talking all about toxic gamers. And this topic is related to last week, so we'll probably be touching on some of the same ideas. Uh... But count that as your warning. But also, like last week, we need to discuss what a gamer even is and what toxic is. So, starting with toxic. What does it mean to be a toxic person? Well, besides being someone, it's okay to dogpile in a fight on the internet, or a label applied to you to make it okay to do shitty things to, it's also an actual thing. Uh, being toxic means you're adding negativity, trauma, suffering, or upsetness to someone else's life, often intentionally or fully aware that you're doing it without any willingness to stop. And it's also important for those of you out there that are a bit trigger-happy with the T-word. This doesn't mean someone unpleasant to be around because there's something wrong about who they are as a person. If someone is toxic literally because they have a ween and there's trauma there for you, unless they're using that actively to bother you, that's not toxicity. I mean, it's unfortunate, but it's not toxicity. And it's the same thing if it's something they can't exactly fix right now. 
you know, being fat and taking up two bus seats isn't toxic. It's being embarrassed. But being unwashed, stinky, and having a bad attitude would be toxic because those are things you can change or suppress without a whole lot of difficulty and it bothers everyone around you and it's not something that's hard to imagine would bother everyone around you. And speaking of unwashed, let's talk about gamers. In a literal sense of the word, a gamer is a proactive video game, role-playing game, board game, or skill-based card game, not poker, fight me, that play games for long or intensive sessions over a long term. So, like, someone that puts in 36 hours into a video game in four days and then never plays it again isn't a gamer. But someone that plays for 10 hours a day for a year is. Now, there's a little bit more depth to it because gamer is a wide category. Besides being easily divided between video games, TTRPGs, board games, and Magic the Gathering, and Yu-Gi-Oh! and other card games, gaming also has a lot of divisions for not only particular games, but also skill levels, other demographics that people in real life care about, like being gay or a woman, and preferred eras of video gaming. Uh, gamers can also be divided into different groups based on Bartle's taxonomy, dividing gamers into achievers, explorers, socializers, beaters, and completionists. In addition, gamer can also be a sarcastic label applied to yourself or others to make a joke about being toxic, saying slurs, or being an unwashed heathen playing video games for 12-hour shifts like you're working in the coal mines with even fewer people to talk to. So, when we combine these two, we get a toxic gamer. This is a person who negatively impacts the game, gaming space, community, or reputation of gamers as a whole. And this can be done in a variety of ways, but can also rise from having no idea what you're doing and being bad at the game or misunderstanding the mechanics or the culture. Now, if you're sweating bullets because you're remembering when you were 14 and thought you were the fucking coolest kid ever for telling a 9-year-old on Xbox Live they're going to fuck his mom and older sister at the same time and cringe whenever you remember it, don't worry. You can always come back from being a toxic gamer. But how do you even tell if you're starting to become toxic? I mean, how do you catch it early? Well, lucky for you, I have a convenient little list of 15 things that you do that shows you're backsliding into being a toxic gamer. So, first, you start talking down to and belittling other players. This can be anything from calling them a stinky shitpants because they don't know how to play, to calling them a cuckold and playing a video clip from an NTR hentai, saying that's what you're doing to their wife right now because they don't play Warzone with a submachine gun instead of a sniper rifle. Second, you blame everyone else for your failures or take credit for your team's successes. This would be like blaming your KD ratio on no one providing support on you while the entire team was doing their best to stop you from being fucking stupid all the way to sitting back after a successful takedown of the BBEG in your tabletop game and saying, huh, I could have done that alone. That was easy. While the rest of the team licks their wounds and mourns the death of their favorite four NPCs. Someone lost a wife of you fucking asshole. Have some respect. Alright, now third, you quit when things start looking bad. Look, don't be a limp dick. When the going gets tough, get hard again and keep pumping. 
Uh, Quitter is usually a horrifically unbalanced game, and if you're playing in real life, they can very quickly damage relationships as your Magic the Gathering group watches you pack up your silly little card game because someone put Planeswalker on the table in the first turn. Now, fourth, you send messages or shit talk after a game to be an asshole or to gloat. I'm basically, in any saying this is a dick move. If you've already won, just be happy about it and celebrate it without rubbing it in, you dick nose. Or, hey, if you lost, go crack at the gamer girl feet like a normal, well-adjusted person with an OnlyFans subscription, so not well-adjusted at all, and then keep playing. Now, fifth, you're a griefer. This is someone who intentionally harasses or provokes other people to ruin their fun because some people really love to make other people miserable for some reason. This would include things like targeting one person specifically over and over again just because you like to ruin their experience to burning down someone's Minecraft house because you want to hear them cry over the 37 hours of hard work you just fucked up in 5 minutes with a flint and steel. Sixth, you file and log false reports. And in both real life and in games, this is also a scumbag move. Because by doing this, because you're salty that you lost, and not because you honestly think something bad happened, you're now using a system that's meant to give people a way to voice danger as a way to get revenge. And that makes people who make these reports legitimately in the future less believed. That goes for real life too, and not just for gaming. Seventh, you break generally accepted community behavior of good faith. And this is subjective, but for example, in some communities, like in old school Halo communities, teabagging just comes with the territory and is something you do, and in a lot of cases in these communities, it's funny or just seen as a tradition that lets everyone get some Schroedenfrada. But if you take that into a community of more modern gamers and a game where that isn't part of the culture, it's rude and offensive. And if you do this intentionally, even if you were part of a different generation of gaming, you're still a dick. You know, it's like old school D&D players getting mad about asking for player consent. Just get over yourself, old man, and let us play the nerd game how we want to. That was targeted towards someone who may or may not be listening. Alright, and eighth, you cheat. Now, this can be in a variety of ways, but for video games, for example, this is often through the process of downloading mods for the game that unbalance play and make other players frustrated. You know, things like aimbotting, where your weapon automatically aims at viable targets, to things like invincibility mods and GTA servers that let you stroll through the world griefing people with absolutely no consequences for your actions. Now, this can also include stuff like in tabletop RPGs when you metagame. So, like, an ally gets ambushed and you decide out of character that your character knows what's happening is immediately like, oh, hey, we need to go back. They're getting their ass pounded. Or you're in the middle of a fight and you look up monster weaknesses and how easy it is to hit them and how much HP they have and all their saves and, yeah. Now, ninth is getting meta. Now here you aren't even playing the game and are instead harassing game developers for their design choices or things that have nothing to do with the game or really even being a good person. This isn't being like, well, it's kind of bullshit that the stat line is so much better than this one even though they're supposed to be at the same tier or, hey, that dev DM'd a 14-year-old a picture of his cock and I don't want to play his game anymore. This is more, 
how dare you make that character's ass thicker than a snicker, knowing I'm a closeted gay man, and they have a hung fucking horse cock that I can see the outline of. Or, I don't like that that developer said a nice thing about a woman that wasn't nice tits, bitch, so now I'm going to send him a death threat on Twitter. And clearly this is toxic because you're being an asshole, and you also don't have a point, you're just mad about something that you shouldn't be mad about. It's okay to like penis, and also it's okay to say nice things about women. Jesus Christ, people. Alright, 10th, you're a die-hard, dyed-in-the-cloth, gatekeeping, greasy-fingered fanboy that will do literally anything for the gamer console you've decided to white knight for. And just like normal white knighting, without permission, self-respect or self-awareness, or presence of a problem. Because at the end of the day, we're all gamers. So shut the fuck up and be normal for fuck's sake. The companies making the games and consoles you love don't care about you, and the games and consoles don't need someone to defend them. They don't have feelings. If someone is trying to be an asshole to you, it is okay to defend yourself. Doesn't mean if someone says, eh, I'm a big fan of Nintendo games, they don't feel grown up in the way that I like. It's not your job to list every adult-centered Nintendo game like Resident Evil and Silent Hill and then tell them to slob your knob. Just do what everyone else does when someone talks about video games in public. Not politely, and mentally note not to talk to that person again. Now, 11th, you tell people that they aren't a real gamer. Again, this is gatekeeping, greasy-fingered, and Cheeto-toed take. Again, this is a gatekeeping, greasy-fingered, and Cheeto-toed gamer take. You're gatekeeping being a gamer, a hobby that is defined literally as play video, card, board, and tabletop games for fun as a primary form of entertainment. Especially because this is usually in response to someone with tits holding a controller and someone acting like their name is Kyle telling their stepdad they aren't their real dad after Steve tries to bond with them. Okay, listen, Kyle, I know it's rough, buddy, but Steve loves your mom very much and knows how hard it is and is just trying to get to know you. He's not trying to replace your dad. Just like how the gamer with massive fucking honkers isn't trying to steal your hobby. She just wants to be involved. Alright, 12th, you're really liberal with the shit talking and the insults. If something goes wrong in a game and your first instinct is to say, that's why your mom sucks my nuts, or a racial slur, you're being toxic. And, man, I really hope I don't have to say more on this. I hope that even for someone that identifies as toxic, this wouldn't be a surprise. Alright, and the last three are a lot more specific. For the 13th, that largely applies to video games. Being a camper. And look, this one might be controversial, considering that some people genuinely prefer to play the game like this, and see camping as an actual valid strategy, and their games of choice support this. But for games that don't, this can make the game intensely unfun. And why is that? Well, because there's someone somewhere killing every other player without any chance of retaliation. This might be cross-map sniping, or sitting at the enemy spawn and waiting for them to come in and then gunning them down, but both are incredibly unfun and also aren't difficult or challenging. And then the 14th and 15th are both largely for tournament and rank play, so it doesn't really happen in, like, tabletop RPGs, or some more casual card games. 
The first is boosting, where you manipulate the ranking system to seem better than others, including playing with friends and then letting you kill them so that you shoot up the leaderboard. And this diminishes the effort of other gamers that are genuinely trying to shoot through the ranks, but is also really unfair to future teammates and opponents when they realize that you're a liar and you get your ass folded inside out. And the other kind is smurfing, where you act below your play level with either an alternative account or by acting in order to poach people who are just starting the game or are otherwise shit at it. Which again, is unfun for everyone else and is just dishonest by nature. Alright, so uh, how'd you do on the checklist? Because I'll tell you, I am absolutely a fucking quitter, but not a spitter a griefer when I play with my friends, and I fucking love to camp. So if you have some of them that are capable of containing it or knocking off when needed, I mean, you're fine. It's just when, you know, you're out of hand or something is completely inexcusable when it's an issue. You know, like slurs. That's always inexcusable and always toxic. But, I mean, with that, let's also talk about general types of toxic gamers. And while there are 21 in total I like to talk about, I mean, really, these are four distinct categories. Douche, control freak, unsporting, and maladapted. Now, the douche category is the people who, for no other reason than enjoying suffering or being unable to shut the fuck up, act out at other people. These would be the troll, racist, and the bully. A troll is someone who simply wants to get emotional rises out of people because they think it's funny. Racists, acting as the stand-in for misogynists, Nazis, other hateful people, is an asshole in real life, and so that doesn't stop when they play video games. And bullies are a lot like bullies in real life. Mad that their dads beat them and they take it out on you. No, they're people who will pursue their toxicity to other platforms, or real life, and will actively try to make the life of their target a living nightmare usually for no better reason than having a different KD rate. Fucking idiots. Alright, uh, the control freak includes dictators, tantrum throwers, snarks, ambulance chasers, brow beaters, distractions, and roadblocks. Now, this category is entirely people who feel like their job in the game is to control what happens. And this can manifest really in two distinct ways. The ones who want everyone to play optimally and listen to them and follow orders would be the dictators, who do that outwardly, the more passive-aggressive snarks, the rules lawyer and constantly condescending ambulance chasers, and the browbeaters that appears almost exclusively in role-playing games and are dedicated to questioning and challenging the game master at every possible turn. I mean, you could also see that in like card tournaments where they challenge the people holding the tournament or I guess you could see that in video games, if it's a video game that has a game master. Um, but the other category is the ones that have a bad case of my precious game syndrome, where they want what they want and if they don't get it, they're going to be a baby about it. And these are the very loud and annoying tantrum throwers, the attention whoring distraction, and the spiteful prick that wants to slow down the game in the roadblock, whose only goal is to make the game unplayable by doing nothing. And now the unsporting category is all the people that aren't playing the game right and are ruining the experience for everyone else. This would be the farmer, the solo act, the nova, the surrenderer slash the French, 
AFK slash AFT, Bulldozer, and the Cheater. So the farmer is someone who has found an easy way to cultivate game-winning points in a way that isn't the main point of the game. You know, like in a MOBA, when you hunt in the jungles only, you're not actually going after anything. The solo act will take it upon themselves to try to do everything by themselves and will refuse to cooperate to the point of being antagonistic. The Nova is someone that uses their big powers and resources almost instantly and without concern as to why that's a bad idea, and they'll often complain about the lack of power later on. Or alternatively, in like TTRPGs like D&D, they'll immediately Nova all their abilities and then ask to rest. AFK slash AFTs are people that start a game and then for one reason or another fucks right off without either quitting or without warning. And this includes two subtypes, the non-participant that just takes up room but does nothing, and the retriever that's just easily distracted and aren't really focused on what's going on. Well, then we have the bulldozer that will skip people's turns, ignore other players, or just fails to work with teammates or strategize because they want to prove that they know what's happening they figured out the trick. And finally, cheaters are people that try to break the game or break the rules in order to win, and otherwise just make the game incredibly unfair in their favor. And the last category are the maladapted, whose parents just simply don't love them and now they play video games like an asshole. These are the trash talker, simp, baby rager, and lackey. Trash talkers won't shut the fuck up and constantly trash talk often getting worse the longer the game goes on. Simps in this context mean someone that does everything they can to try to fuck, romance, or get the attention of someone or someones behind the game. This will include throwing the game, being toxic in some other way, providing unrequested help, or being a white knight in the hopes that they get some uh, gamer girl feet in their inbox. Or gamer boy feet. I don't... Obviously, I don't judge sexuality. And finally is the lackey that thought that sucking the bully's dick in high school would mean that they wouldn't get beat up. They basically just copy the behavior of another toxic gamer or step in to defend their actions as, oh, it's just part of the game, it's all part of the culture. Okay, but now that you know how to spot a toxic gamer and know a little bit of their taxonomy, let's go over to the history. Okay, so while there are obviously toxic gamers in the role-playing board game and card game community, that isn't going to be the focus on this timeline. Instead, we'll be looking at video game history. And why is that? Well, in addition to not being any of your fucking business, shut the fuck up. Also because the history of video games is kind of unique, and in my personal opinion, a lot more interesting. See, the other forms of gaming, some amount of toxicity has existed in the community since the beginning. Because we, as nerds, have a hard time in social situations and controlling our id, because we're used to playing with our dolls in our room without the prying eyes of the public. So when you get a bunch of us together, our maladapted features, rather than being suppressed, will combine into one big Voltron of nerd rage and create toxic gamers. So... Really, any card game or role-playing game that you have ever played has a toxic community 
because at some point during the beginning, that was just the culture. But anyways, we'll just get started on the time. We begin in the late 1990s. Pretty recent, I know. But the reason is because while gaming had been a decades-old hobby at this point, the 90s is when the advertising begins to change drastically. See, in the past, much of the advertising was focused on the gameplay and how much fun it was to sit around the TV playing video games, either by yourself or with your friends, or sometimes even with your family. But the 90s began to follow in the footsteps of other advertising targeted young men and early teen males. That being full of attitude, edge, and fuck you pussy kind of energy merged with the your parents don't understand you vibes of a lot of kids' media at the time. And this was both in terms of single and multiplayer games, which included ads for games like Quake and Daikatana, which advertised not only extreme violence, but actively called people pussies for not playing and told gamers to dominate their opponents and openly mocked them. And, uh, just for an example of a particularly fucking crazy ad campaign, let's look at Heat.net. This online game put out a series of ads that said that their game could solve mass violence, world conflict, and murder by letting people get their violent urges out in this ultra-gory video game. Which, uh... Huh. No? No, that's that's not how that works. Uh, but the ads included someone who was almost a bus shooter saying that playing the game made him stop writing the names of bus passengers on his bullets what the fuck? Blamed he had been square on a lack of violent video games. What the fuck? And also, someone who said they imagined fucking skinning people and butchering them in his daydreams got it out using Heat.net. Oh my god. Oh, and also, this was 1998. You know, nine years after Tiananmen Square. And from what I can tell, they continued these ads even after fucking Columbine. Like, holy shit. Okay, but by the early 2000s, we see the next phase of this, where the stuff we'd now call toxic masculinity was used to sell video games to young men. You know, like gay being a bad thing instead of being very, very pleasurable. Non-stop talk about masturbation, which... Look, it's me. I'm not going to judge too much there. Objectification of women. Uh encouraging violence and abusive behavior, and basically everything short of telling young men to shoot up their schools. And as you can imagine, this made the space of gaming incredibly uncomfortable for everyone not the young, white, male demographic, while the ads made it clear more and more that the people who weren't in gaming don't get it. Which, hey, that's radicalization, by definition. But, you know, also because women, people of color for the most part, queer people, and both older and younger generations didn't want to play or were barred from entry. And because these young men were being radicalized to be toxic, voice chats became exponentially more toxic and difficult for gaming companies to deal with. Shut up, phone, I'm talking. And in 2002 especially, as online games become more viable and popular, these studios began to realize the potential market encouraging shit talk in an environment that was both rapidly becoming unbelievably toxic and also hungry to bully others. 
So advertising, once again, doubled down and focus on trash talk being a huge benefit of online gaming. And yes, dear listener, this is where the reputation of Xbox Live begins. This vicious cycle where companies build gaming as this megalithic home of shit talk and bad vibes, people that like that come to play, and the companies see that that's the market that they're appealing to, and they push the advertising harder. But eventually, by the mid-2000s, as the idea of the unhinged white boy massacring children became more and more thrust in the public perception, by those unhinged white boys massacring children, violent video games once again got the brunt of the blame. And look, to be fair to them, when people looked into gaming spaces at that time and see a bunch of 17-year-old white boys uh, shouting the N-word, F-word, and threatening to fuck each other's moms and then kill them, and 17-year-old boys with Nazi flags in their bedrooms as the ones turning America's futures into thoughts and prayers, it wouldn't take a genius to see similarities and make a connection. And gaming companies started to realize the monster they created and tried to stop the hate train from pulling out of the station about half a decade after it already left. And how they do that, you ask? Well, they changed their advertising tactics. See, the idea was two-pronged. Shut the fuck up, Bone. See, the idea was two-pronged. One, if they change tactics and pacify the gamers by showing ads of people with friends playing video games for fun, and connecting to others, they'd hope that they would calm them down. And second, that they fled the market with families, wholesome gamers, women, gay people, and a general vibe of inclusivity and in being a community of gamers, then would drown out the toxicity. But instead, what this generation of disaffected gamers saw was that their style was being forcefully exterminated, causing, you guessed it, even more radicalization. And on top of that, gaming companies were opening the doors for new faces. New faces that the gamers had learned how to insult and belittle from almost a solid decade of saying and being called slurs. Fucking wild that anyone thought that that would work. And then we reached 2013, and if you listened to the last episode, yep, this is Gamergate. For those who didn't listen, in 2013, the game Depression Quest by Zoe Quinn hit Steam. And on top of being a femme-presenting, non-binary, queer person in the gaming space, had created a game that wasn't built for hardcore gamers and was instead an interactive, almost visual novel style about the struggles of mental illness. And the gamers fucking lost their shit. The amount of rage aimed at them caused Quinn to remove the game from Steam for a time. And seeing as a way to capitalize, an ex-boyfriend posted supposed image and audio of Quinn using sex and their body to score game reviews and popularity for Depression Quest. Something that has been factually proven over and over again to not be true, by the way. But this was the straw that broke the camel's back for 4chan and toxic gamers worldwide, standing up out of their chairs and for once, rather than saluting the Nazi flag with an anime waifu that looks suspicious, Viciously underaged on it, they instead took a stand against women playing video games. And then immediately sat back down because their legs atrophied. With walls of death and rape threats against women, queer people, and friend presenting people in video games at all levels. And this is how Gamergate started. And I mean, what follows next is almost two entire years of what was essentially an internet war 
that changed gaming forever. Now, while still a bastion of toxicity, gaming began to self-police. Whole communities were formed to not only give the toxic gamers a taste of their own medicine, but to mass report and ban them from basically anywhere on the internet they happened to be hiding. People began to defend the gamers being targeted, and a new generation of these gamers came up in the midst of all of that. And while there were attempts made to end it for good, this is still happening, almost a decade later. And there was never a break. This has been happening the entire time. But, overall, this whole event was a wake-up call. Now, not just the gamers, but nerds and all manner of communities began to self-reflect and worry about a Gamergate equivalent, or even new people that partook in Gamergate. And also, just real quick, this isn't part of the script, I want you to imagine a IRL Gamergate happening in the tabletop RPG world. Holy shit, would that be awful. But anyways, because people understood how awful that would be, an effort was made across gaming and in vast swaths of the nerddom to rid themselves of this toxic nerd image, trying to create a welcoming, inviting environment that seemed and was safe. And the result? Well, gaming is a lot less toxic than it was as of 2014. Also a lot more inclusive and welcoming. I mean, is it still toxic? Absolutely, yes. It's gaming. But to be more specific and show you how toxic, let's go to the stats. Alright, so we're going to be starting off with a statistic before we move on much further. The proportion of toxic gamers. So a study conducted that interviewed gamers and asked them about toxicity that they had been part of or a victim of, 59.4% said that they had been toxic in the last six months, while 65.6% claimed to have been a victim or a witness, which as you might have guessed is pretty high. But why is this so high? What's really the cause of this in the first place? Well, to put it simply, the reason why toxic gamers exist and why gamers can get toxic is because people are emotional. Because you get toxic sometimes doesn't mean you are and always will be a toxic gamer. A lot of times it's a moan of weakness and frustration and you let that take over and you do something dumb or you be an asshole. But you get over it and realize it was dumb. Now, moments of toxicity aren't because the person is bad. However, when people are consistently toxic and become toxic gamers, that's a sign of something more happening. Now, the vast majority of toxic gamers are young male players that already have either an emotionally intense stressor in their lives or have a mental illness that makes them a lot more reactive. And this triple whammy of being young and therefore more emotional, being male and therefore more emotional, get over it, fuckers, and being stressed and highly emotional by your surroundings or your own brain chemistry causes people to lash out and form an online persona around lashing out. Because think back to our four types of toxic gamers. All four of those are and can be caused by a young person going through a rough time. 
someone turns into an asshole as a douche toxic gamer makes sense. Someone feels like they have very little control, so they latch onto a medium that gives them control and they become a control freak. Yeah, that happens in other contexts too. A young man wants to feel powerful or going through something that causes everything else to be too much to handle sometimes and they act out. That's unsporting. And are they using their survival adaptations in a maladaptive way? I mean, obviously that's the maladapted. But adding back on to this is anonymity and shielding. I mean, in all forms of gaming, there is some sort of personality and emotional shield provided by the game. Whether that's the perceived anonymity of online gaming and video games, the shield of playing a character in a role-playing game, or the disassociation from the self that can happen in highly competitive atmospheres where your focus is almost entirely on the game. And the shield gives people with already toxic tendencies less perceived personal investment in keeping that hidden or under control. Meaning that they basically have carte blanche to act however they want to. I mean, at least in their own minds. But even more than that, the culture of gaming as a whole is so full of toxicity that the exposure itself and the not being punished or engaging with it can make someone more and more toxic. Especially if they're young, vulnerable, and or impressionable. And in a lot of cases, because toxicity is seen as just a part of gaming, it gets rationalized as part of the culture. Because of the nature of toxicity usually being someone losing their cool, it can snowball as people become frustrated. To the point that entire lobbies, tournaments, and gaming tables can turn toxic because of a single moment of weakness. But what I'm not saying, and what isn't the point of explaining why, is that toxic gamers should be excused. I will talk about an actual solution in the application section, but just know that while toxicity has a reason, it doesn't mean that reason is an excuse. But all of that said, what are the most toxic gaming communities? Well, it kind of depends on where you look online, but after some research and going through a couple listings, I think we can kind of extrapolate a top 10. But first, let's go through these lists. So, according to Yashner, of dot esports. Also, I'm going to apologize about name pronunciation. The bottom of their top 10 is Minecraft. And this is due to the lack of server oversight, griefing opportunities, and being both popular and a platform to build, which attracts people that want to be a dick. And number nine is Overwatch because it's an FPS with activatable abilities like a MOBA, so the metagame is out the fucking window. Plus, it's Blizzard, so holy shit. And then combined with that, some of the very slight attempts at being diverse and woke, and you have a lightning rod of gamer rage. Eighth is Rocket League, with the ability to spam messages and emotes, high rates of griefing, and quick matches that mean that toxicity doesn't have time to burn out before you're in the next game, and trolls don't have to come up with much material to be an asshole. Seventh is World of Warcraft, because it's a population of old bloods, and an ever-expanding player base, its reputation as a motherfucking time vampire, and also Blizzard again. Yikes. Sixth is Call of Duty because of its reputation, popularity and age in the genre, and having a massive culture of voice chat in an FPS. Now, fifth is Fortnite because of its young player demographics, popularity, and massive number of emotes and griefing opportunities. Fourth is Halo, because of the popularity of Halo trolling compilations in the mid-2000s, 
and his connection to Xbox Live and general reputation. And all of that has really attracted and kept people that enjoy being toxic. Now, third is League of Legends, because the community are a bunch of sweaty fucking gamers that are obsessed over every single detail, but also because the game punishes mistakes hard and fast, and they are so easy to make. And also the matchmaking structure is a fucking nightmare that throw newbies into the fire. Second is Dota 2, for the same reasons as League, but also its age adds to the odds of smurfing, and the reputation around it is fucking wild. Oh, also Blizzard. And in the first place spot is CSGO, because of its high skill ceiling, free-to-play status, being a haven for old bloods, and also the cursed cocktail of being an FPS and having a functioning voice chat in the year of our Lord 2023. Now, according to esports bets, their list begins at 10th with Overwatch, which, yeah. 9th is Hearthstone, because it's a video game card game set in a World of Warcraft universe, so that's double the sweat for half the cost. 8th is Rocket League, for the same reasons as in the first list. Then it is COD at 7th, and Fortnite at 6th, for again the same reasons. 5th is fighting games in general, because of the skill ceiling, tournament reputations, and also just generally being a sweaty fucking genre of video games. Um, and then we have Halo, CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends in first place. Now, George Curry of Gaming.net changes shit up with a top 5 list. Starting with League of Legends at 5th, then FIFA at 4th, because holy shit, have you ever seen sports gamers rage? It's like if you put your abusive dad, an arena of angry soccer hooligans, and a gamer spouting some cringe words into a blender. 3rd is Call of Duty, followed by Dota 2, and then 1st is Valorant. And that's because it's a combination of being free-to-play, similar to Overwatch and CSGO, and also the meh reputation being the main causes. And finally is Bea Beltran of iTech Post, who did a list of seven. And these are all games that we've seen before, so I'm just going to list them. So seventh is Valorant, then CSGO, Minecraft, Dota 2, Fortnite, Call of Duty, and then, in first place again, League of Legends. So from this, what can we average out to be the most toxic game? Well, starting at number 10, we have Rocket League. Now, it only appeared in two of the lists, and its reasons for the most part are fairly general to toxic gaming as a whole. But ninth, we have FIFA, because it's a fucking sports game, and the most popular one at that, and in its only list, it scored really high. Eighth is Minecraft, not only because of it appearing on multiple lists, but because over the decade of its existence, the level of toxicity both from and towards the Minecraft community is insane. I mean, do I even have to mention Minecraft YouTubers? Seventh is Valorant, because of its similarity to other games with toxic communities, kind of combining them together. Sixth is Halo, largely for its age and reputation, as well as its Xbox Live legacy and being a shooting game. Fifth is Fortnite, for basically the same reasons as both Halo and Minecraft combined. Fourth is CSGO, for its skill ceiling, old blood status, and still being free, as well as appearing on every single list. Call of Duty, at third, because of popularity, age, reputation, and also, again, appearing on every list. 
Dota 2 at number 2 because it's on every list and it's a fucking MOBA game. And first is League of Legends for the same reasons, but was overall rated more toxic. And so besides scritching the part of my brain that likes stats, what does this do or demonstrate? I'm, first of all, fuck off. Not everything needs to have a point. This was mostly to piss people off on Twitter. But secondly, this shows us the kind of games that are usually labeled toxic. They are popular games with diehard fans that are either very young or have been playing since the heyday of toxic gaming. Most are genres that are heavily mechanics and finesse focused, and all of them are highly competitive. Now, I mean, this conclusion shouldn't come as a surprise in any likelihood. I'm sure you notice the similarities before I even start bringing it out, and for that, I'm going to give you a gold star. You can cash that in when you get 10. Uh, and it makes even more sense when you add in why people tend to be toxic. I mean, these are games that appeal to someone who's looking for something to show off with or to hold on to and deeply occupy their brain and time so they don't have to deal with shit. And when that gets threatened, well, holy fuck do they pop off. But anyways, with that covered, let's ask if this even matters in the first place. Alright, well, besides not being a piece of shit, let's look into this a bit more. Now, being toxic on games is a warning sign. And no, not the warning sign like, your child plays Call of Duty, they're going to shoot up the school. It's a warning sign that you're an asshole and there's some serious problems in your life that you need to address. I mean, on a personal level, it's important to address toxic gamers because this is how really shit people get started on sliding out of the pipeline into being neo-fascist, racist, misogynistic, or just straight up a doomer. But what is the problem on a more meta perspective? Why is this even an issue and not just a feature of gaming culture? Because gaming is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a hobby people can just veg out and forget about life for a bit. Something where the rules of what matters isn't some long-term vague goal they're not entirely sure that you believe in, but society tells you you should. But instead, a concrete, foreseeable plan with steps to succeed that gives you a big hit of dopamine when you do it. And it's a good route for people to turn their brains off. But... When you're being toxic, that ruins it. Not just for the people you're being toxic towards, but for yourself as well. And it can even kill an entire genre of escapism for some people, something that is in increasingly short supply. Basically, this matters because life fucking sucks right now, and it feels like the world is ending, and for some people, their only way to escape is being put in a world that either it isn't happening, or they feel like they can actually do something about it instead of just floundering uselessly. But then, where is the line? When does something become toxic? Well, while it changes from game to game, it really comes down to whenever the fun gets ruined. And yeah, that's broad, but I mean, this isn't a call for a sensitivity player to make sure everyone's doing okay and that shit talk doesn't happen. This is a call to be self-aware. Are you playing with people that would probably get offended by something you say in a community where that thing is inappropriate? Then don't fucking say it, dumbass. Is trash talk not part of the culture? Contain it, fucker. And when it is part of the culture, you know what? 
let loose as long as you're not saying a racial slur. Or really any other slur, I should say. Okay, but with that, we're moving right along onto the fixes. Alright, alright. So, how do you fix toxic gamers? Well, put simply, if they're already capital T toxic, there isn't really much that you can do. There also isn't anything you can do if you don't particularly know who that person is. Because they don't care, and let's be honest, you don't either. You just want them to fucking stop. So, how do you do that? Well, for the most part, there's three options. Call them out, ignore them, or ban slash report them if possible. And the first answer, this is going to be case-dependent. I mean, for the most part, in America especially, if they're saying racial slurs, then obviously they know they're being a racist asshole. Unless someone is throwing a little gamer baby tantrum, calling them out is a 50-50 on it working. Either they'll realize other people can hear them, and they'll be quiet out of embarrassment, or they'll get even angrier. Well, in some cases, if someone's being a snark or an ambulance chaser, it might make them realize they're being toxic and they'll control themselves. So, I mean, your odds overall are fairly low for this working. And on top of that, if there's people agreeing with them or that are willing to defend them, now you've started a fight and you're the asshole because now everyone is yelling. So that leaves you your second option. Try to ignore them. Obviously, the more obviously you're ignoring them will have a greater effect. For someone seeking attention, this might set them off more, but for douchebags and other forms of toxicity, this either eggs them on or does absolutely nothing. So, again, you need to use your discretion here, but hey, if all of that is too much trouble and you don't want to think, fuck them. Report, ban, and kick. And this includes in real life, too. So when you're playing D&D with getting toxic at the table and nothing is helping? Well, if you're the DM or host, kick them the fuck out of your gaming area. Because the only real way to deal with toxicity like this long term is to not allow it to be next to you. But why are these fixes important in the first place? Well, because if you're in a position to say or do something about it, then that's kind of part of your responsibility. Because there's probably someone there that it's bothering a lot more, and doing nothing very well might not be peacekeeping, and instead letting them make the gaming experience stinkier than a gamer's house bathroom for them which sucks and is unfair. I mean, add on to that by challenging a toxic gamer, you're actively doing something to try and limit their power and reduce the spread of their toxicity. But, again, it's important to respond appropriately and use some insights into what you understand to try and manage it. But again, your job isn't to fix them, it's to contain them. But that's all if you have nothing invested in the person. What if you know them? Well, I mean, now you're in a position to do something. Because what's the only real way to fix toxic gamers without fixing yourself, you toxic piece of shit? By, as much as it's a meme, being a positive person in their life. Being a good parent, older sibling, or friend can help to curb these behaviors. Because think, the reason why they're being toxic is because there's some rough shit going on in their head or they have shitty coping skills. And yes, this is your bi-weekly reminder to get some motherfucking therapy. The best way to stop someone from becoming permanently toxic 
is to not only model good behavior, but to be a positive relationship and someone to lean on. And over time, this will help them become a more and more stable person and will decrease their power-seeking, problematic, and sometimes abjectly terrifying behavior. And, you know, hey, if you don't know this person, don't become a white knight and try to become their friend to help them. It's not worth your time. Trust me, make internet friends the normal way. Being on dating apps way too young and meeting people that are also too young to be da on dating apps. On to the soapbox. <laughs> You know, when I started researching this episode, I thought I'd have a whole lot to say at this segment. Because I, like basically everyone else that likes video games, had assumed that gaming toxicity was way overblown and was from like two Modern Warfare 2 lobbies still running on the original 360. But that isn't the case. I've found through my research that toxicity is a virus. One that all of us are susceptible to at a young and vulnerable age. One that if we don't eventually grow out of, sends us down a really deep rabbit hole that's almost impossible to escape. Now, I personally don't have much experience in this field. I mean, besides from joking that my D&D group is oops all problem players, they aren't really toxic. Annoying? Yes. But, you know, that's friendship for you. They annoy each other until you either hate each other or die. See, I very rarely played online, and even from an early age, when I briefly got hooked on playing Modern Warfare 2 online, I always played muted. And most of that's because I'm a shy person with a god complex. I just want to be the master of the worlds I play in, not just another person. I want to be cool and also kind of just let my id out, and I don't do that around other people. Unless it's this podcast. But something I did find similar is the swirling vortex that things like misogyny, racism, and homophobia can be. These things can start simply enough, feeling like you aren't good enough. And so you find others who are angry and don't feel like they're enough either. And eventually, when you've already started copying their hatred, you become one of them too. Toxic gamers are a lot like that, and the two aren't mutually exclusive. So the way I feel about toxic gamers is the same way I feel about my own journey and others who are still mired in these ideologies of fear, self-loathing, and hatred. I feel bad for them. Where I don't feel the same is that gaming toxicity is so much harder to come out of. Because while the others are built on misery, being a toxic gamer in some ways is built on catharsis. You aren't necessarily making other people's lives miserable because you think that they made you miserable. Because life feels miserable, and it's fun to take it out on people that you don't know. And do I think that gaming can fix this? I mean, yeah, obviously. If fucking gaming companies keep their weens away from our boy holes for once. Gaming companies along the entire way have not only egged this on, but seem to have actively benefited from it. I'm not saying they don't get an opinion on how their products are used, but like a lot of problems in the West these days... We didn't break it, but unfortunately, we're the only ones that are going to fix it. Alright, and there we have episode 8. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast feed, like it, leave a review, whatever else it is you can do on your platform of choice. 
send me an email at waytatpods at gmail.com. That's W-A-Y-T-A-T-P-O-D-S at gmail.com. With questions, concerns, opinions, compliments, insults, um, actuallys, how called out you feel right now, how much you fucking hate my toxic game rankings because it includes your favorite game, and anything else you want to tell me. Also, follow me on Twitter at waytat underscore pods. Check out my other podcast, Waytat, where I talk about things happening in the U.S. that are a bit more soul-crushing than this, but are also usually just as dumb. But anyways, have a good night, have fun, keep writing, and remember, find me in real life. You won't. This has been Why Aren't You Talking About This Nerd, and I've been your host, William. Good night.